This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPiella.com by two ways. One passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Um, we're going to do a little bit of an abbreviated show today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in as always. Uh, wish the best for my mother, my Nancy Piella, who just had a uh, hip replacement. I'm going to go see her after the show. Um... Just thinking of some things that are going on, and like I said, we'll knock out a little filibuster. Always want you to know that the show belongs to you. So anything that's on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and unified America, you can either comment on the Periscope or Facebook Live feeds, which I'm going to pop up in a little bit, or you can give the show a call, the number 732-364-3598. I did want to give a plug to a book that I'm about to read, um, Ian Kahinowitz wrote a book called... Uh, was it uh, the baseball baseball gods talking about the Dutch Leonard affair with Ty Cobb and Trish Speaker and Smokey Joe Wood, and it's probably one of the the, the moments in baseball history where you kind of pause because you understand what happened with the nineteen nineteen Black Sox and Kennesaw Mountain Landis when he was the commissioner, basically taking no you know nothing from anybody and banning those eight players for life. Yet you look at an event that happened in 1919 and may not have been such a big deal. It wasn't the World Series on the line, but it did impact baseball. And there's evidence that a game possibly was not on a level that involved the two teams playing with Trish Speaker and Ty Cobb. So once I finish reading that book, we'll have Ian on the show. We'll talk a little bit about that. And I, I think it's an interesting thing because a lot of historians know about it in passing. But there's not a lot of details on it, so I'm looking forward to finding out some more details and hopefully figuring out a couple things that I don't know already. Wanted to start out today. You got the situation going on with the Atlantic League, and it's unfortunate because uh, you know anybody that's been involved watching Atlantic League baseball, and I know that I know friends that broadcast Atlantic League games, and you know, you're really looking at an independent baseball league that really has turned into a mockery. And it's unfortunate because, it, you know, you look at certain things that you want to try out to see if over Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball history, there's a reason to do or a reason not to do. And the way you're going to test it is by using the Atlantic League with all these different rules. And I know they did the same thing in in lower levels of the minor leagues, trying to run her at second base. And I think the goal over time is to, fig is, is to figure out different things that you're going to do to make the game better. And the Atlantic League, unfortunately, is what we're using as pretty much the, you know, the, what do you call it, the guinea pig. And I'm sorry for not getting that word right. So now you got the situation with robot umpires. What? You know, you as a fan may want to see robot umpires. You may be disgusted with some calls by our everyday umpires. Um, Sam Holbrook in a World Series, you, for whatever reason, enforces that rule where the runner was within the baseline. And was he in the box? Was he outside the box? You know, what times do you use a rule 
that's written in a book to the T and what times don't you? And this thought and solution is going to be to go to some sort of computerized strike zone, some sort of computerized replay-based system that's going to tell you whether somebody's out, somebody's safe, and may over time make the umpires, as we see in a game of baseball, obsolete. And it's a little bit sad to think because I do believe the human element belongs in Major League Baseball, and it's a very important element that a lot of people are kind of bypassing right now. We're saying, hey, if the technology exists to make sure that every call is absolutely 100% correct, then why not use it? Why not take advantage of it? And that's why I believe that you know the replay system as it exists in baseball is effective. It's better than what was before when you're relying on an umpire. Maybe you didn't get the best view of it. Maybe it wasn't in the right position. Now you go to replay and you say, hey, you know what, with all due respect to that umpire, I know he did the best job that he could, but in this particular situation, he was wrong. And I think that's something that has improved baseball for the better. Now we want to go a little bit further and talk about how strike zones are subjective and they're different based on who the umpire is. And that's true. And think about the one thing that I would worry about the most when it comes to computerized strike zone is the pitch up. Because if you're deciding to call every pitch a strike based off of you know what the strike zone is, the strike zone goes up to the letters. And there's very few there's very few umpires in Major League Baseball that are allowing that pitch to be called. And, you know, it's something that is kind of a little concerning to me because, you know, you look at the Aaron Judges of the world who, you know, are, are so big and because of that have a larger strike zone than somebody that may not be so big. You know, Jose Altuve, for example, their strike zone may be a little bit smaller based off of their size. You, know, you say if it's down to your knees, to your letters, the letters of your jersey, well, if they span a little bit further, if that person is taller, if that person is wider, then that person may eventually or may essentially have a bigger strike zone. And that's, I think, some things that have to be you know, of concern. Um, once again, I feel bad for the Atlantic League and basically all everything that it stood for for a handful of years kind of going by the wayside because it's become a guinea pig to all these different potential rule changes in baseball. I'm encouraged to see what happens with the robotic strike zone. But I, I'm not confident. I'm not confident that this is going to be the way of baseball going down the road. Now, you want to ask me, am I for it? Am I against it? I'm kind of torn. I'll, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a political stance on it. I could see why you could try the robotic strike zone and see if it's effective. I don't like the fact that the human element is, the goal is to get the human element completely out of baseball. But in the end, in the end do you want to get it right? The truth is, yes. So that's why I'm leaning towards giving it a shot. And, and it's funny that we talk about robotic umps. And you know, I know those that listen to the show regularly are like, oh man, he's going back to the same thing that he's going to talk about. But I find a very interesting comparison that you can make between robotic umpires, which we know are going to come at the expense of the Major League Baseball umpires that are there. You go to a robotic strike zone, the umpires that we've known for 150 years are essentially going to become obsolete. 
Yet, we look at analytics and algorithms and printouts and spray charts and all these different things that are used to enhance the game for us to make sure that teams you know are looking at different type of stats and patterns and stuff like that to play their team and come up with a game plan to win and most baseball fans don't acknowledge that analytics in baseball comes at the expense of the major league manager and I'm trying to, and I've been trying to for the last year, to find the best way to make this point. You know, you heard me in my uh, in, in my open there, you know, screaming about managers in baseball not making decisions. And it's true. But I have to keep, I feel like it's my responsibility to continue to dig deep into this and try to word this in a way that will resonate the most with baseball fans. Robotic ups, excuse me come at the expense of the regular umpires. If you have a robotic strike zone, if you have a computerized strike zone, you don't need umpires anymore. You may need one umpire, but you certainly don't need four on the field. So if you're used, if you're talking about analytics and its role in Major League Baseball, the fact that it really has taken over, it has come at the expense of what? The Major League Manager. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or release of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of the show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPLA.com and JohnPLA LLC, is prohibited. Any commercial or release of the program, such as by charging admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Los Angeles Lakers, the Lakers that are off to a really good start. Um, obviously, if you're watching LeBron James, it seems like he has a new life. He's he's pretty much doing things that, you know, we we didn't think he was going to be able to do anymore. And if you know LeBron James and the way that he speaks, he likes to carry a lot of the weight, a lot of the baggage of what people will say negatively about on his back and kind of, you know, let it out. You remember when the Cleveland Cavaliers, and, you know, for those that don't know, I'm actually a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. I go back, if you look at the poster that's in back of me, uh, th those are the guys that I remember supporting in the early 90s. Brad Doherty, the late Hot Rod Williams, Mark Price, Terrell Brandon, Brad Doherty. So I've been a Cavaliers fan. Obviously inherited LeBron James, was extremely excited when the Cavaliers won themselves an NBA championship, but instead of embrace it, LeBron, who clearly has done a lot of good things. I mean, it's awesome that he opened that school in California. It looks like he really does have a career after basketball that he can impact the lives of a lot of good people. So he goes on a profanity-laced tirade after the Cavs won the NBA championship, and it kind of took away some of what was special about bringing a championship to that city of Cleveland, something that, you know, really had come full circle for LeBron. He was, he, that's where he was born and raised in Akron. He becomes the number one overall pick of the Cavaliers, leaves as a free agent, goes to Miami, comes back to Cleveland, and wins them an NBA championship. But once again, it's the baggage and everything that, you know, he had to go up against. But if you're going to be a star like LeBron James, you have to understand that there's going to be a series of negativity that's going to be thrown your way. As much as people are going to love you, there's going to be people that are not going to love you. And those people, in, in, in this case, I believe are wrong. 
you know, LeBron James is one of the best players to play in NBA history. He has won himself three NBA championships. I know he's been to the finals a whole bunch of times, and his teams, for the most part, have not won. But he really is the complete player. We're seeing the complete player with the Los Angeles Lakers right now, playing defense, dishing the ball out, making his teammates better. And this is a lot of what was thought to happen last year when he ended up deciding he was going to sign with the Lakers right away. I don't think he really had the players. Having Anthony Davis, having Dwight Howard play the defense that he is, I think makes you believe in this Lakers team. And I, I don't know if it's just one of those things where maybe it is the Lakers season. Maybe LeBron playing at this pace and this rate, he really looks like LeBron of eight years ago. He looks like LeBron of two, three years ago. He looks like the best we've ever seen out of LeBron James. And I don't I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to say that I don't that you know under some certain circumstance he may not be able to do it over a long period of time. But he's playing extremely hard early on in this season. You're talking about five, six, seven games. You gotta play a whole 82. After that, you got to play in the playoffs. And if, if things go well for you, you're going to be playing close to and maybe more than 100 games. Does LeBron James at his age, at 35, have the stamina to be able to make it through the entire season? And we understand that we're thinking LeBron James, we're thinking his legacy, we're thinking what he was brought to the Los Angeles Lakers to do. And that's to go deep into the playoffs and potentially win an NBA championship. So we're talking about closer to 100 games that we're going to be expecting LeBron James to go out there and play at this level. And listen, I mean, I think Superman can do it. I think LeBron, if there's a player in the NBA that can do it over a course of this amount of time, LeBron James can do it. LeBron James has taken advantage of the opportunity that he had to rest, really, for the first time in a long time. You know, you understand the unfortunate injury last year that led him to miss a lot of time, but because of that, he did get the rest. He came in in great shape. He came in ready to go. And you've seen by the performance of LeBron James on the NBA basketball court that this guy is is back. He, he is the legend. He is that future Hall of Famer, one of the iconic and greatest players in the National Basketball Association history. But my question is this. And it's not to throw salt on it. It's not to say that LeBron James can lose anything at any moment. But it's a lot to ask for for one player to bust his ass on both sides of the ball, to lead his team, and to perform for 82 games plus another 20-plus to go out there and win an NBA championship. Do I think the Lakers are a postseason team? Absolutely. Do I think the Lakers could finish off a very good regular season and have a top three seed in the Western Conference? Absolutely. But do I think that LeBron James can continue to play at this level every single game, game in and game out, which we saw a couple years ago with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He wasn't missing a game. I think it would be best if he missed a game here and there. If he did get some planned out rest. And maybe Coach Frank Vogel and the Los Angeles Lakers and their staff maybe had that in mind going forward. And maybe sacrificing some games for the better well-being of LeBron James, but also the better well-being of his teammates. 
to maybe make them to be a more well-rounded team, to allow some of the players that are deeper down on that bench to eventually have bigger roles. Dwight Howard's been great. Of course, AD has been great. They have a very good team. And a team that maybe I underrated a little bit. I thought it was a top four team in the Western Conference. I thought it was a team that can make it to the Western Conference semifinals, maybe to the Western Conference finals, but a team that I didn't really feel was good enough to get to the NBA finals. I stand by that statement. Maybe the Lakers could prove me wrong, but it's going to be very hard to see LeBron James play at this level, at this intensity, on both sides of the ball, doing everything he does as a teammate, as a leader, as the star, and being able to play game in and game out without any rest and still be that player come postseason. This is the famous Budweiser beer. We know no brand produced by any other brewer that costs so much to brew and age. Our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces a taste of smoothness and drinkability you'll find in no beer at any cost. So there's a story coming out there and it's, you know, kind of hypocritical. Because sometimes, you know, you wonder what is the goal of having a story published. Sometimes it's about the information getting out there. And sometimes we care a little more about the information getting out there, whether or not the story is right or wrong. And there's other times that we, we have basically had it thrown in our face that a story is not true. You went to the source and the source completely denied the story, yet we still want to go out there and push it push the story as if it is the absolute truth. Hence, the Los Angeles Chargers, in their second season in L.A. after moving from San Diego, there's a rumor that maybe they're considering moving to London. So you ask the owner, and the owner wants to know, what the hell, where did this story come from? He categorically denies it in a profane laced tirade basically tells anybody that came up with the story that they're out of their mind they don't know what they're talking about calls them names couldn't by any stretch of the imagination categorically deny the story anymore yet we go to social media we go to the news and what's getting reported that the Los Angeles Chargers are moving to London. That's what they're looking to do. Now, you could agree why it may make sense for the Los Angeles Chargers to get out of L.A. You know, their home games are away games. They played the Green Bay Packers last week. There was a ton of Packers fans there. They played the Steelers earlier in the season there, and there was more Steelers fans there. They haven't gotten an organic type of fan base that they've grown down there. A lot of the San Diego fans, some of them travel. But most of them don't. So they're kind of in a tough spot there because they're not drawing the crowds that you would expect for a National Football League game. Now, while I agree that that could lead to relocation down the road, this story that somebody came up with that says, hey, they're going to move to London. Maybe the National Football League is interested in maybe moving a team to London down the road. You see a bunch of London games during, during the season. I would think that Roger Goodell would consider maybe moving a team to London. Maybe he was part of this leak here. But when it comes to the owner, the person that is going to make the decision whether the Los Angeles Chargers are going to stay in Los Angeles or move to anywhere else, 
or in any way, shape, or form moved to London, he's basically squashing it. He's saying that this is not going to happen. Now, what do you say? Oh, I don't believe him. Well, what are you asking him to question for if you're not going to believe his answer? And he couldn't be any more emphatic about the fact that his team was not moving to London. So what do you say about that? That's, that's the question I have. How do, you, how do you respond to that when you get an answer that's one way, but you still want to push your narrative? You still want to push your story. You're CBS Sports, and you can't wait to put the headline out there that says that the Los Angeles Chargers are moving to London. But the story right under it is exactly what the owner said, that there's no way, chance in hell that he's ever going to move to London. And I'm not going to use the language that Dean Spanos used. But if you want to know exactly what he said, look it up on the internet. It's a bunch of F-bombs. It's a profane lace tirade basically telling the person who came up with the story to shut up. There's nothing there. There's nothing to it. But we like stories, don't we? We like stories whether they're true or not. It obviously applies to the news media as we see it. It's all about what we want to hear as opposed to what we need to hear. Opinions can be facts now because we can keep twisting stories to get what we want out of them. Los Angeles Chargers are not moving to London. Read whatever story you want that's going to say that. But I went right, right to the horse. Came right from the horse's mouth. The owner said they're not going there. A little bit of a recap of the show. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. This abbreviated filibuster, passball show, the whole thing. Robot umps, they're coming at the expense of the actual umpires. I think that's something that's very easy to see. Maybe what's not so easy to see is analytics and computerized stats in baseball coming at the expense of the major league manager. Robot umps going to be tried in the Atlantic League, and independent baseball, the Arizona Fall League. A uh, couple, couple leagues that there's a lot of respect and tradition to, but they're kind of being used as guinea pigs. Do Are we finally moving into robot umps, robotic strike zone, the whole thing? The Los Angeles Lakers, listen, I think they're a good basketball team led by the best player in the sport by a mile, LeBron James. No issue with that whatsoever. Lakers are fine. The question is, LeBron James playing at a level and with amount, an amount of intensity that he, he feels like he's got something on his back. He's got something to prove. Can he withstand that over the course of a rigorous 82-game season? But over the course of a rigorous 20 to 30 games in the playoffs, if the Lakers are going to go out there and win themselves an NBA championship, I think at some point he needs some rest. I think he's able to benefit off of the rest that he got last year. But he's clearly playing offense, defense, he is the, the consummate teammate. He's carrying the team right now. I don't think he could do that over the course of 100 games. Maybe it's a little bit because of its age, but it's also the fact that he's a human being. And it's not even considered an insult towards LeBron James to just insinuate that maybe he can't play at that level over the course of 100-plus games. Last thing we talked about, Los Angeles Chargers, they're not moving to London. The owner said they're not moving to London. So stop with this story of the Chargers are moving to London. We'll be back with you in a couple days. Got a show on Saturday. Like I said, we're going to read this book about the Dutch Letter Affair and Trish Speaker and Ty Cobb. 
and maybe we'll get uh, Ian Kahenowitz on the show to talk a little bit about it. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, by St. Alwish's Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.